Masks would dramatically change the equation. Tonight, parents uncomfortable with back-to-school plans take a stand and file a lawsuit. Plus, you will have to wear masks. I think it's going to make some kids a bit nervous, probably, yeah. just seeing that. Why some are uncomfortable with the new back-to-school PSA featuring Dr. Bonnie Henry and... It's just a once-in-a-lifetime experience for them, and I'm really happy for them. How a BC-born pro ball player is helping kids fulfill their ballpark dreams at Nat Bailey. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. School starts in less than two weeks, and as the date grows closer, the concerns of some parents are growing too. The Vancouver School Board is now providing an option to allow kids to learn from home. But as Erin MacArthur reports, and that didn't stop some parents from rallying today. And our kids matter. Instead of an enjoyable last week of summer vacation, parents are fearful for the start of school. At Queen Alexandra, a protest. Parents don't think BC's education restart plan is safe enough. And we feel because it is so unsafe, we should not go back to the schools until it's revised. The VSB is changing its plan on the fly. A survey wrapping up Friday indicating thousands of families not comfortable with in-class learning. Nearly 30% of parents who responded want some sort of hybrid model. The school board now has a little more than a week to roll out a transitional education plan. In a video released on social media, the Vancouver School Board superintendent admits details have yet to be finalized. We also know that we need to provide clarity on what that program will look like and also how to register for that. The VSB plan being welcomed by the teachers union. But the BCTF wants a similar approach province-wide. This is an equity issue, uh, and so remote learning needs to be offered in every single um, district in the province. Some parents still hesitant. Gary Schuster won't be sending his kids back to school next Thursday. He's helped file a legal challenge, demanding a more comprehensive safety plan from the ministry. Masks would dramatically change the equation. Um, smaller cohorts would also change the equation. Uh, some schools have used even plexiglass uh, barriers. BC's public health officer believes the plan is sound and that school is too important for kids to miss out on any longer than they already have. For some parents, it feels like the plan as currently constructed is too big a gamble to make. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. And as families try to figure out how to navigate a safe return to learning, a new government ad featuring the province's top doctor is raising some eyebrows. Kristen Robinson has that part of the story. Going to school is so important, but school will look a bit different this year. A BC government ad featuring Dr. Bonnie Henry on back-to-school safety guidelines. We're going to wash our hands a lot. And you'll mostly be with the same group of teachers and friends. Facing backlash from critics over its picture of COVID learning. It's unfortunately a really unrealistic depiction of what classrooms are going to look like in September. Former BCTF president Glenn Hansman tweeting, It's regretful that this ad was made. It'll fuel perception of a disconnect between provincial decisions and reality of schools. That's not helpful right now. BC does not have classes of six students. It's just the accuracy of the ad. And it was not a full classroom. Um, and, and I think that's 
probably the, the tone-deaf piece. BC teachers say K-3 to classes will have 20 to 22 kids, while the cap for grades 4 to 12 will be 30. Hand-washing stations also not guaranteed. The BCTF says many classrooms don't have sinks, and districts must only provide hand sanitizer. You will have to wear masks sometimes, and for some people, they'll wear them all the time. What we need to see are masks worn by children from uh, grade four and up, and all adults, and um, reduce density in classrooms so that physical distancing is possible. The Ministry of Education says in order to videotape the ad, the number of students in the room was limited for health and safety reasons, and the children were placed safe distances from each other. The team worked closely with the school principal to make sure the desk placement realistically reflected the classroom setup for the coming school year. The rules that we're putting in place are to help keep you safe at school. Parents we spoke with say they'll soon find out if the message is on track. It's going to be a change. I'm not nervous. No, I'm not nervous. I just hope the kids feel comfortable. I'm a little bit nervous since I don't want to like spread the virus. They know that they're doing their best. We'll see what it looks like when it actually happens. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Police on Vancouver Island are looking for a driver involved in a deadly hit-and-run crash near Ladysmith. Just after 8.30 this morning, an F-150 truck collided with an SUV on the Trans-Canada Highway near Oyster Stolo. A truck and trailer narrowly missed the collision. The driver of the SUV died at the scene. RCMP are looking for the driver of the F-150, who allegedly stole another vehicle from the scene and fled. It's believed that driver may be injured. No names have been released. Several people have been injured in a multi-vehicle crash on the Golden Ears Bridge. The pileup happened in the northbound lanes at the 201 Street on-ramp just after 9 o'clock last night. At least four people, including a child in a car seat, were transported to hospital with undetermined injuries. Crews closed off the northbound lanes overnight as first responders and investigators combed the scene. Fire broke out at around 1 o'clock this morning near a McDonald's restaurant in Surrey near 96th Avenue and Prince Charles Boulevard. The flames spread to a large cedar hedge close to a TD Bank building. No one was hurt. Firefighters say a nearby dumpster was also found on fire. They are both being investigated as possible cases of arson. The search for a missing hiker east last seen near Eagle Mountain in Coquitlam resumed today. Crews had taken two days off in their search for 52-year-old Ali Safar Nadiri. He had been reported missing last Sunday after a concerned citizen noticed his car had been parked for much longer than usual at the base of the network of hiking trails. He's been known to visit the area almost daily, but so far helicopters and teams on the ground have not been able to locate him. A high-angle rope rescue for two teenagers trapped in the interior's Bear Creek Canyon. The 17- and 18-year-olds had climbed down into the canyon near West Kelowna for a swim near some waterfalls. But the current carried them downstream and put them in a position where they could not climb back. Central Okanagan Search and Rescue, along with the fire department's technical rope team, eventually rescued the pair at 1 o'clock this morning. A B.C. Conservative MP is apologizing for what she describes as a thoughtlessly as for thoughtlessly spreading material about the federal finance minister. Tory environment critic Carrie Lynn Findlay retweeted a video of Christia Freeland interviewing billionaire George Soros when Freeland was a journalist with the Financial Times in 2009. 
Finley posted a comment that their closeness should alarm every Canadian. Soros is Jewish and the focus of derision by conspiracy theorists. Findlay wrote that Freeland listened carefully to Soros, quote, like a student to teacher. Findlay later deleted the retweet, saying she never meant to endorse what she called hateful rhetoric. The Christy Mountain wildfire is still causing some problems for crews working near Penticton. The BC Wildfire Service says the fire moved out of an area that was inaccessible for crews, jumped past a retardant line and into a ravine. Crews are actively working the area with air support. There is no further concern for properties at this point. All evacuation orders and alerts remain lifted. Firefighters battling BC's largest wildfire are now having to deal with gusty winds. The Dr. Creek Fire near Canal Flats in the East Kootenay now covers 5,400 hectares, growing from just 3,000 just that last week. The BC Wildfire Service says residents in nearby communities may notice more smoke and more aggressive fire behavior because of the wind. An evacuation order and area restrictions remain in effect. It's been a blustery day on the south coast, too, with lots of debris being swept onto shore. Winds have been clocked up to 50 kilometers an hour today. Several boats even ended up on Vancouver beaches. Boaters had to wait until the tide came in to free the beached vessels. In Nanaimo, the winds were so strong, trees came down in several neighborhoods, taking power lines with them. Thousands of customers in the city lost power as hydro crews worked to restore the lines. Parts of the island saw wind gusts up to 60 kilometers an hour. Yvonne Shell will have more on the forecast coming up. Two more Asian giant hornets, also known as murder hornets, have been spotted in Washington state, very close to the border. On August 19th, Department of Agriculture teams discovered a small dead worker Asian giant hornet inside a beekeeper trap in Birch Bay. A day earlier, someone saw one buzz by while they were at a restaurant in Birch Bay. Live traps have been set up in the area to catch, tag and track the invasive insects back to their colony. Earlier this month, the first male of the species to be found in the United States was trapped in Washington state just a few kilometers from the B.C. border. Well, as the world, world tries to grapple with racial injustice, we're hearing from a B.C. woman who says she was the subject of racial profiling at a lower mainland casino. Julia Foy has the story, including what the casino has to say. I was incredibly taken aback. Siobhan Barker says she's still shaken after an incident in June at the Grand Villa Hotel in Burnaby. She'd been invited to dinner at a new restaurant, but on the way out, she got a surprise. And I was stopped by security um, uh, demanding a search of my purse um, in order to proceed to my car. Um, and when I asked them why that was, um, they cited uh, a suspicion of ha carrying weapons or, or carrying alcohol. Hello, my name is Siobhan Barker. I'm Barker, who works as an equity and disability justice consultant, was appalled and believed she was being racially profiled. It had been almost 45 minutes at that point. Um, I was in pain. Um, I was embarrassed. I was under threat and um, fearful. She claims the casino's policy says clients can only be searched on their way into the premises. So why was she being stopped on the way out? 
A representative for Gateway Casino says in a statement, Gateway has no tolerance for any type of discrimination and applies all policies universally to ensure we provide a safe and secure environment for all patrons and employees. But Barker says this doesn't let them off the hook, and she's filed a human rights complaint. You can say we are against discrimination, but if your practice is to actively discriminate, that policy has no, has no bearing, it has no weight. The issue of people of colour being stopped and searched has been one of the focal points of the Black Lives Matter protests. Barger says she deserves an apology from Gateway and some changes to their policies. I was there for a lovely, a lovely meal and the escalation and the dehumanization um, and the discriminatory, discriminatory practice was not on the menu. Julia Foy, Global News. Today, some lower mainland teens took on a massive challenge to raise funds for a good cause. Grade 10 student Jack Bouchard and a few of his friends challenged themselves to walk 75 kilometers in a single day in support of the CKNW Kids Fund. They started walking at 5 o'clock this morning and they hope to finish early this evening. Our own Chris Galis and some families who've been helped by the fund joined them on a portion of the trek. Jaden was nonverbal until he was almost six years old, but thanks to the Kids Fund, he started music therapy and has found his voice. Let it go, let it go, can't hold it back anymore. It's, it's, it's not the few dollars that you see or the donations, it's the, it's the life-changing impact it has on families. We've got $6,500 raised so far, um, so we're just that final push for the last $1,000. Even if it's just the price of a cup of coffee, you know, tomorrow, you know, give $5. The, that would, if everyone who saw this did that, we would smash the goal and, and surpass it by, by a really amazing amount. Our nation's capital and several European capitals today saw protests against measures taken by public health officials to stem the spread of COVID-19. Around the world, nearly 25 million people have been infected and more than 844,000 are dead. As David Aiken reports, the protests came at a time when Canada and some European countries are seeing their case counts rise. And we're here to draw the line with you today. On Parliament Hill, a few hundred gathered amid some grey skies and drizzle. Here for a number of causes. There were supporters of U.S. President Donald Trump, for example, Quebec nationals, but also a strong presence of those bearing the symbols of QAnon. That's a baseless conspiracy theory that, among other things, believes the world's elites are operating global pedophile rings and that only U.S. President Donald Trump can do anything about it. But whether it's QAnon or others in this crowd, they are united by a distrust of the government, the police, and the media, and a belief that scientists are not telling the truth. Civil authorities in Canada and around the world are grappling with strategies to deal with these types of demonstrators. The fact that the United Kingdom leads all of Europe with 42,000 COVID-19 deaths did not move this protester. The main reason why I'm here is that the severity of COVID has been blown out of proportion. So the measures that are in place are unnecessary. In the meantime, public health officials around the world, including Canada, unanimously recommend social distancing and wearing a mask to help stem the spread of the virus. I would advocate people to wear a mask and it would be an added layer of protection. 
The number of new Canadian cases reported every day has remained relatively low and relatively stable through the summer, but Canada's public health agency reported on Saturday that the average number of new cases across the country ticked up in the last week to 425 cases a day. That's compared to 400 cases a day in the previous week. David Aiken, Global News, Ottawa. And this was the scene in Kelowna today, where more than 150 people gathered to protest B.C.'s public health orders and restrictions over COVID-19. They claimed their rights and freedoms are being taken away by the government. Police attended for a short time, but no citations for violating public health orders were issued. As a defund police rally in Montreal was wrapping up, protesters toppled a statue of John A. Macdonald, Canada's first prime minister. The statue has been the frequent target of vandalism in recent years, with protesters citing Macdonald's treatment of indigenous people. U.S. President Donald Trump traveled to Louisiana and Texas today to see firsthand the devastation caused by Hurricane Laura. The powerful storm left at least 16 people dead and caused massive damage to homes and businesses in both states. As Jennifer Johnson reports, Trump is pledging to help these residents rebuild their lives. Aerial footage shows what is left of Cameron, Louisiana, after Hurricane Laura made landfall and tore apart the small town. Throughout parts of coastal Louisiana, the National Guard is still rescuing people left stranded by the powerful storm. In many areas, there is no food, electricity, or water. It's a war zone. It really is. It looks like a tornado came through more than a, than a hurricane. U.S. President Donald Trump spent his Saturday viewing the devastation in both Louisiana and Texas, pledging billions to help both states recover. The president started his tour in one of the hardest-hit areas, Lake Charles, Louisiana. Yesterday I approved a major disaster declaration that uh, helps individuals and business owners, which is a little bit different, but it goes right to the individual. Uh, FEMA has uh, delivered 2.6 million liters of water and 1.4 million meals. Officials in Lake Charles say the city of 80,000 people could be without water and electricity for weeks. For thousands of devastated homeowners, it's time to get out chainsaws and clean up. For others, it's facing the reality that everything is gone. It's sad, it's sad. But we made it. And me and my husband and my two dogs, we made it alive. Customs officers are still going door to door looking for survivors. A handful of people, including three fishermen who took shelter in this Port Arthur, Texas building, died of carbon monoxide poisoning. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. The estate of Canadian music legend Leonard Cohen says it's considering legal action against the Republican National Committee over its one of the artist's songs. Have a look. RNC used Cohen's classic Hallelujah twice on Thursday night during the Republican convention. And the Cohen estate says it was approached by organizers for permission and turned them down. The estate is blasting the RNC for using the song anyway, calling it a brazen attempt to politicize and exploit one of the most important songs in the Cohen catalog. The estate's lawyers say they're exploring all of their legal options. Chadwick Boseman, one of Hollywood's brightest stars, is dead. Cancer took the 43-year-old actor who has played many iconic roles, including superhero Black Panther. But Boseman was a real-life superhero off-screen as well. 
This morning, Hollywood is grieving the loss of Chadwick Boseman, the star who played iconic black figures from Jackie Robinson. You give me a uniform, you give me a number on my back, I'll give you the guts. And James Brown. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. To King T'Challa in Black Panther. News of his death was announced on social media, detailing his four-year battle with colon cancer. The actor never spoke publicly about his diagnosis, even as it progressed to stage four. His family released a statement late Friday. A true fighter, Chadwick persevered through it all and brought you many of the films you have come to love so much. His passing shocked Hollywood and beyond. Former castmate Chris Evans writing, he had so much amazing work still left to create. I'm endlessly grateful for our friendship. Mark Ruffalo adding, you believed in the sacred nature of the work and gave your all. Marvel Studios tweeting, your legacy will live on forever. Bozeman brought history to life with his portrayal of U.S. Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall, but it was his performance in Black Panther that made him a household name. During a Sunday sit-down with Willie Geis, he spoke candidly about the film's success. What do you think are people responding to? I think there's a thirst for these images. There's a thirst for a black superhero. As far as my character goes, there's a real search for how do I lead? And I think people are searching for that, leaders that actually care about the people. In the role as commencement speaker at Howard University, his alma mater, he would deliver a powerful speech to inspire even more lives. Everything that you fought for was not for yourself. It was for those that come after. Howard alum and vice presidential candidate Kamala Harris tweeted, My friend and fellow bison Chadwick Boseman was brilliant, kind, learned, and humble. This morning, fans, friends, and family are remembering this real-life superhero who was fighting his own battle behind the scenes. Chadwick Boseman was 43 years old. In Health Matters tonight, pharmacists are anticipating a higher demand for the flu vaccine this year than in past years. A recent survey for the Canadian Pharmacists Association finds 57% of Canadians plan to get the vaccine. That's up from 45% last year. The survey also finds 34% say they are likely to get the flu vaccine because of COVID-19. That's similar to what we've seen in, the, in other parts of, of the world, that there is an increased interest because of COVID-19 and increased um, public health um, promotion and the importance of preventing influenza during, during COVID-19. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Now, a BC-born Major League star is helping to create the next generation of ball players. We're going to have that for you right after Yvonne's forecast. But first, have a look at this. It's not quite the Jetsons, but we might just be one step closer to that futuristic world. Video released by a Japanese company shows its flying car lifting off and hovering over the ground as the pilot on board conducted a short test flight. Tokyo-based SkyDrive says the test was held earlier this month and the vehicle was airborne for about four minutes at a facility in central Japan. The company claims it's the world's smallest flying car, four meters in length and width and two meters in height. 
It's designed to fit into a regular-sized car parking space. SkyDrive hopes to start a flying car transport service in 2023. I can see you in one of those little vehicles <laughs> right now, Yvonne. You it'd could, be fun to park. You can see everything. You get a good gauge. Um, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Only a couple of years away. No kidding. It'd be great. Fantastic out there, Colleen. Mm. A great day to celebrate your birthday. So a very happy birthday oh, to you. Oh, thank you. you. <laughs> uh, we are uh, seeing a bit of a change on the way for tomorrow. And I'll have the outline. But first off today, we had sunshine. It cleared out very windy conditions. It was earlier in the morning. And we've continued to see it throughout the day today. A westerly wind right now sitting at 26 kilometers per hour. But earlier today, the sustained winds just towards the left out of the airport were over 40 kilometers per hour. We've had gusts over 50 in a few spots across the island island with over 60 kilometers per hour. Still windy if you're closer to the water this evening and then it is going to ease off especially overnight tonight. Cooling off once again temperatures down to 11 degrees as we get in towards the morning it'll be a bright start with a mix of sun and cloud by the afternoon we've got an increase in cloud cover and it's late tomorrow that we'll start to see some showers moving in. We do still have some instability right now tracking that on the satellite and radar a few lightning strikes with the risk of thunderstorms that's across the central interior it'll dissipate and then in behind Behind it, this is the next weather maker that is going to push in across the province and bring rain heavy at times. First off, though, it moves in overnight and for the morning hours. That'll be along the north coast. And then that same system towards the afternoon will bring us the increase in cloud cover. The northern and central half of the island seeing showers developing as early as the afternoon. As we get in towards the evening, it'll be late that we'll see showers across Metro Vancouver. And for the interior, it's an increase in cloud cover and then showers by tomorrow night. So the blip in the forecast will be for tomorrow. It rebounds quite nicely. And then in the long-range forecast, a ridge is going to start to build in once again. And temperatures will be on the rise. It's been a touch cooler over the last few days or over the weekend, but it is going to start to bump up. We can see that on the temperature trend, so we'll get into the low 20s or upper 20s for most areas, and that'll be in towards the interior and the potential once again to have temperatures into the low 30s. Now, the northern half of the province for tomorrow Heaviest rainfall will be in the morning. Temperatures will be at 14 degrees. It'll ease off across the coast, still seeing rain heavy at times inland. The northeastern corners and much of the central interior, it'll be a nice bright and dry start to the morning and then showers moving in towards the afternoon. Now for the southern half tomorrow, we are also seeing a bright start. Dry conditions for the morning by the afternoon with more cloud cover. Temperatures will be on the cool side in comparison to what we we're seeing yesterday when we got into the 30s. 21 as the high across the central Okanagan. Rain moving in by the afternoon and evening for areas near Whistler. And the northern and central half of the island is where we're seeing the showers moving in towards the afternoon. Along the Sunshine Coast will also be included within that. And then all areas across Metro Vancouver will start to see that cloud cover late in the day for tomorrow. Showers will pop up as we get in towards Monday. It clears out once again. We've got dry conditions and it is going to warm up once again, especially Wednesday, Thursday. Areas away from the water up to 25 and 26. So pretty good looking five day forecast. And once again, happy birthday, Colleen. Oh, thanks so much. And thanks for that great forecast. <laughs> the Vancouver Canadians can't play ball this season, of course, so they're renting out their stadium during the pandemic. And today, some up-and-coming baseball players got their big league day at Nat Bailey thanks to a big league player. Sarah McDonald explains. How's this for starting off a season largely grounded due to COVID with a home run? I haven't really played a game this season yet, so dozens of young BC baseball players just like Sam hit the diamond at the legendary Nat Bailey Stadium on Saturday. 
the Sunshine Coast facing off with West Vancouver in an exhibition game all made possible by a major league legend. It was presented to us and provided the, uh, the field time by uh, Ryan Dempster, who of course played in the major leagues for close to 20 years. He's from Gibson's, grew up there. We'll send Ryan Dempster to the mound. The BC-born MLB All-Star covered the cost to rent out the Nat, which has largely been sitting empty as the Vancouver Canadiens' season remains benched. We were hit hard as an association by COVID. We had to cancel our spring season. Something these players have in common with the pros. All still itching to play during a pandemic and something they've now had the chance to do in a stadium few athletes will ever see from this perspective. To get a chance to play in this historic building, anytime you get a chance to step on the field, it's, it's a great thing. And giving a whole new meaning to Field of Dreams. Sarah McDonald, Global News. Waiting for that Field of Dreams reference. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Ryan's so uh, so generous. Always has been. Has never forgotten where he's come from. Had a great major league career. I think we calculated once he'd made over ninety million dollars or something. So he, he does have the money. But hey, nice he always, of him to give always, back. Always always sp- has spread it around. So good on him. Absolutely, that's great. What have you got coming up? Well, of course, it's been uh, quite the last few days uh, for uh, the world of sports with uh, all the action off the field or off the ice. And now it's time to get back on. So the Canucks are getting ready uh, in the next 10 minutes or so. They'll face off game three against Vegas. So we'll talk about that coming up. And uh, golf and tennis, lots of action today on Saturday. So Sounds good. bringing that in a few minutes. Family members of Jacob Blake led a march today calling for an end to police violence. Protesters have marched on Kenosha streets every night since Blake was shot in the back seven times by a police officer last Sunday. He is now paralyzed from the waist down. NBA players were back on the court today after staging an historic walkout during the week over Blake's shooting. They returned to play only after demanding a new, new actions to get more voices this U.S. election season. The teams have not played since Monday. That Tonight, the NBA is back. But the Black Lives Matter movement still center court. The Milwaukee Bucks took on the Orlando Magic days after striking mid-playoff in response to the police shooting of Jacob Blake. Minutes before tip-off, the Bucks tweeted this message from guard Wesley Matthews. It's script change. You can't script moments. And, um, you know, we saw an opportunity to to be with our brother, to show that we're human. Their walkout triggering a cross-sport protest, the likes of which has never been seen in history, in an unprecedented agreement between the players and the NBA. Voting is something that uh, everyone in the room is very passionate about. To promote social justice and use NBA resources to get out the vote, including dedicating playoff advertising spots to voting and converting basketball arenas and facilities into polling locations. This could be a huge game changer for voters in so many cities and in battleground states. 
advising the players on their social justice initiative, former President Barack Obama. On Saturday, a source confirmed to NBC News the phone call was at the NBA player's request and included LeBron James. Obama's spokesperson saying he was happy to provide advice on Wednesday night to a small group of NBA players seeking to leverage their immense platform for good. Basketball's return caps off a week of peaceful athletic protest across football, soccer, hockey, tennis, and baseball. Friday night, the Houston Astros were supposed to play the Oakland A's. Instead, a moment of silence. Players wore the number 42 in honor of Jackie Robinson Day. And then, both teams walked off the field. The WNBA earlier this week taking a similar stand. Today, back on the court and continuing to speak out. And we are ready to fight as well. The women have their voices and they're being heard. Barry's here with sports now. And Barry, uh, nothing typical about this sports season at all. Uh, no, just when you think uh, you've seen it all, uh, something else comes up. But a lot of good coming up, too. So that is uh, definitely what uh, we're trying to focus on. Thanks, Colleen. It has been an emotional last 72 hours for the Canucks and all of the NHL players as they have come together to support each other and other pro sports leagues in the fight against social injustice. But the games are back on. And now... The Canucks have to switch their focus to the Vegas Golden Knights. Vancouver bounced back with a terrific effort in Game 2 back on Tuesday. Now the trick is to get back that energy for Game 3 tonight, which is just moments away from face-off. All right, action. Okay, let's hear from Travis Green. That's the respect the players have within the game. They understand how it's played on the ice. Uh, they also understand that when you leave the ice, um, you're all players within the sport, and it's a great sport. Uh, Everyone loves playing hockey and being in the NHL, and um, I don't expect it to change one bit for tonight. I think the intensity is going to magnify as the series goes on, and I expect it to be a very intense game tonight. All right, Tampa Bay and Boston, the first to face off this morning. Prior to puck drop, they showed a powerful video message from the players in support of Black Lives Matter. Bolts blasted the Bruins 7-1 the last time they met on Wednesday. And Boston after the giveaway. Look at the hands there by Braden Point feeds Andre Palat, who chips at top shelf. 1-0 Tampa. Second period, quick transition. Anthony Sorelli tees it up for Andre Palat. Didn't look like he got all of it, but it got past Halak's glove. Second of the game, fourth of the series for Palat, who's been a one-man wrecking crew against the Bruins. Boston took some undisciplined penalties. Nick Ritchie with the late hit on Yanni Gord got a five-minute major for boarding, and the Lightning made them pay on that power play. Victor Hedman's shot actually deflects off a Bruin forward up and over into the net. The hockey gods rewarding the Lightning there. 3-1 the final. They now lead the series 3-1 over Boston. Flyers and Islanders, game three, series tied 1-1, first period. Philly gets the first goal. Tyler Pitlick fires through a maze of players in front. That is what you call a screenshot. No chance for Simeon Barlamov. 1-0 Philly after one. Second period, Isles even it up. Matt Barzell centers it for Matt Martin, who just squeezes one through Carter Hart. And it's 1-1. Then very late in the period, just a few seconds to go. Derek Broussard, hard work behind the net, finds Leo Komarov and... The former Leafs shot will squeeze through Hart. 2-1 Isles after two. And then on the power play in the third, Anders Lee with the quick shot. And Ashley Hart puts it in himself off his stick and in. 3-1 Islanders win, and they now lead the series two games to one. 
Well, as Colleen had uh, earlier, NBA players are back on court today. This after the league and its players announced they'll work together on several initiatives to promote voting access, combat social injustice and racial inequality, and advocate for police reform. Give the players credit. They are banding together for real change, and we can only hope that their brave efforts do just that. First game back featuring the Bucks and Magic. Milwaukee started this boycott of games back on Wednesday. Many other sports leagues followed in a great show of support. But back on court, Milwaukee looking to advance to the second round in the East. Giannis Antetokounmpo gets things started with the easy dunk inside, draws the foul. Milwaukee led 67-50 at the half. Third quarter, it's Brooke Lopez on the baseline. and. Wraparound dunk there. He had 16. Orlando actually cut the lead to three midway through the fourth, but the Bucks pull away. Giannis with the three. He had 28 points in just 28 minutes. Bucks win 118-104, take the series in five. They'll meet Miami in the next round. Final of the Cincinnati Masters being played at the USTA National Tennis Center in New York, where the U.S. Open will start play Monday. Milos Raonic against world number one Novak Djokovic. Milos has been outstanding this week, moving better than ever. Did uh, a lot of training during COVID, still powerful, and he took it to Djokovic in the first set. Big serve and the put away there. Now, Djokovic had a three-hour semifinal last night and looked uh, with low energy, but credit Milos, another big serve and winner, took just 30 minutes to take the opening set 6-1. But you knew Djokovic would make a push, and he did, starting to get a read on that huge serve. Goes cross-court here, gets the break in the second set, and he would take that second set 6-3. Now in the third, Milos actually jumped out to love on an early break, but Djokovic broke right back. And then on Raonic's next service game, the Joker loads up the forehand, rips another cross-court pass. Another break, he leads 4-2. Now Raonic did have a break point with uh, Novak serving for the match, but the Joker never seems to lose the big points. How does he pick that one up off uh, that skidded off the baseline? Djokovic now 11-0 all-time versus Raonic. Djokovic's 80th career title, but Milos looks good. The U.S. Open starts Monday in New York. Third round of the BMW Championship from Chicago, second of the three FedEx Cup playoff tournaments. Canada's Corey Connors needs a top five this week to advance to the Tour Championship next week in Atlanta. This will help Connors on the par three sixth. How about that? A couple of bounces, and it's in for the ace. Got uh, into the top 10, but he bogeyed his next four. Doesn't that always happen after an ace? If you've ever got one, you always follow it up with bogeys. He's tied 23rd now, but still in the mix. Adam Hadwin of Abbotsford also flirting with an ace at the 16th. Keep the trajectory down a little bit. But just a foot short. He made a birdie there, but Adam's at plus 10. Most likely will not make it to Atlanta unless he shoots like a 61 tomorrow. Mackenzie Hughes really has a great chance to get there. Has been solid all week on this tough track. His tee shot at 13, hits it on to the slope, and uh, then with the miracle of editing, this one ended up almost near the hole within three feet, made the birdie. Hughes is tied for third, just two off the lead. If he can stay there, he will advance to Atlanta next week. Hideki Matsuyama of Japan, first hole from the bunker. He's done this a couple of times this week already. Splashes it in the hole for Eagle. Matsuyama is tied for the lead at one under. Dustin Johnson also there. This eight-footer ties him with Matsuyama at the top. Only two players under par. Only the top 30 in FedEx points in the field of 69 advance to Atlanta next week. So here's a look at the leaderboard. Matsuyama and Johnson leading the way. Mackenzie Hughes has a good chance. He's in the second-to-last group. 
but Hadwin, Taylor, and Tiger likely not moving on just too far back. The Community Shield kicks off the English soccer season. FA Cup champs meet the Premier League champs, so it's Arsenal versus Liverpool from Wembley. 12th minute, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang gives the Gunners the early lead with this cracker from distance. 1-0 Arsenal, and it stayed that way until midway through the second half, but in the 73rd, Mo Salah on the attack. The ball will fall to Takumi Minamino, and he will equalize with the cool shot to the corner. 1-1 after 90 minutes, so it goes to penalties. One miss by Liverpool, so Aubameyang has a chance to win the Community Shield for Arsenal, and he converts. Arsenal win 5-4 on penalties. The new EPL season begins in just two weeks from today, September 12th. And some baseball. Blue Jays on quite a roll. They've won 9 of 12. They're in a playoff spot exactly halfway through this 60-game shortened season. Vladdy Guerrero starting to heat up, too. Delivers a liner off the wall. Held to a long single, but it delivered a couple of runs. 2-0 Toronto. And then in the fourth, another of their great young players, Kevin Biggio, delivers a two-out base hit. Lashes it to left. That also scores a pair. And the Blue Jays win again. 5-0 over the Orioles. And that is it for sports. Colleen. Okay, this is a story, Yvonne, you're going to absolutely love. Barry, probably too. I will too. I'm very, very oh. sensitive. <laughs> I think you will too. A tiny, vulnerable koala Joey's life has been saved by an Australian zoo. The little koala, dubbed Minnie, was brought to the zoo for urgent medical attention by a registered wildlife carer who rescued Minnie after her mother was killed by a dog. At just six months old, koala joeys are still entirely dependent on their mother's pouch and milk to survive. A veterinary nurse, the zoo, providing around-the-clock care for Minnie. Minnie will be hand-raised for the next 12 to 18 months, then released back into the wild. She's been doing really well. She's very active over night time, very vocal. Um, I have not been getting too much sleep because of it, but a, a vocal, active koala is what we want. Oh, everybody wants a mini in their lives. I'll volunteer to help. I like the big Paddle teddy bear kid. they put in there. Like that would that would fool the mini <laughs> that that's that's his mom. It's so cute. <laughs> Everything about it is so adorable. It's adorable. Um, our weather forecast is pretty cute too. <laughs> <laughs> If you skip tomorrow, yes. Uh, we are just going to see more cloud cover for the afternoon. A few showers popping up late day tomorrow, and then we're back into some sunshine. And it's warming up into next week as well. Nice. Summer is not over. Nope. Thanks so much. That is the news out for tonight. Jordan is here at 11. Thanks for joining us. Have a good night. <laughs>